welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father, Rabbi Avi Horowitz, and myself, Ayelet, as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and topics inspired by the weekly Torah portion. This podcast is not religiously exclusive. No matter what religion you practice, please feel free to join us as we glean timeless Torah wisdom to help us better navigate the world we live in today, or simply put, just to give us something to think about, because that's always really awesome. So let's get schmoozing. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. This is Ayala speaking and my father, Rabbi Avi Horowitz, and we're going to be talking about freedom today. So cheers to that. <laughs> right, well, we're going to continue speaking about freedom. Freedom is an issue that is... Uh, rung all the time around uh, this time that we talk about and read in the Parshiot and the portions of the Torah about the exodus from Egypt. Um, so let freedom ring and let's talk about it. There's, I want to get to a particular point now. We don't have that much time today. It's going to be a short episode, guys. <laughs> yeah, like no crying. So um, the issue is like this. When we read in the portion of the Exodus, you'd like to read like this nice, smooth, exciting story. It's definitely an epic story. The whole world talks about the Exodus story. But if you really read it in the Bible, it's full of these um, very seemingly unimportant things, especially if a person is, is not a, a religious person, um, that breaks up the narrative. It breaks up the narrative with a lot of like the commandments, you know, it, it starts talking about in the middle, like of the, like the most, the climax of the story, they're, they're about to get out. The, the Jews are about to get out and Paro like wants them to leave. And Moses is like, you know, calling the shots and like, they're going to make this triumphant exodus. And all of a sudden the Torah breaks into this discussion about months and how to establish the months and laws of Passover and all kinds of things that get like tossed in in the middle. Then we're also told a lot about um, something that doesn't seem to be either very uh, central to the story, but it's about how the Jews were instructed to take um, stuff from the Egyptians with them. And the Pasuk, even the verse even comes and says, they like emptied out Mitzrayim, they emptied out the Egypt, the Egyptians from, from so many possessions that they took. Um, it even seems to be in between the lines that perhaps the, Jew, the, the, the Israelites, you know, the Bnei Israel, the people of Israel at that time didn't even want to take, they just wanted to get out. You know, and uh, the, the mentality of wanting to get out is just like, let's get out. I, I don't want to spend one more second you know, here, and I don't want to have to take from these people, you know, that who have been enslaving us for all these years, maybe they'll, who knows what we'll do to them, maybe they'll get all spiteful and change their minds and stuff like that. I mean, there's all that mentality. So between the lines, like Moses is begging them to do it, and they actually do do it. And, it, you know, what what is the point in all that? Who cares? <laughs> who cares if they took out a couple blankets, you know what I'm saying? Or they took out some mules, yeah, let's say they took out a lot of stuff, but like, who cares really? What what difference does it make? Like, what difference does it make to the story of Exodus and freedom? 
You don't hear about it afterwards. Uh, Seemingly. Well, there's like there drips and drafts. Like maybe they had too much money, whatever. That was like by the whatever. I'm saying you know, there's the constant like referral. You know, and I took you out, and you had a, I took you out with a lot of wealth and possession. Yeah, but what's and... that all about? Who cares? So like in other words, it's true. That's been promised since Abraham. The the Torah the Torah says that God promised Abraham, and then when they leave Egypt, they'll leave with a lot of possessions. Mm-hmm. Like like really, what what is that? You know, if it's it's going to be really bad. It's like imagining. People coming out of this of the concentration camps, and they own they have plenty of German uniforms and their wallets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it's pretty pathetic. It's like what? Who cares? Like what? You know what I'm saying? They want their freedom. They'll make their lives again wherever it is, or I don't know. But it's but it makes a, sense to me. Well, why? Because. Because I'm, I'm just when you put it in, in more of like the Holocaust terms, I guess it's because it's closer. I envision it better, but it's I feel like even though maybe uh, as individuals or looking back, it's like they didn't want uh, uniforms and wallets. But uh, I could imagine that for someone who has had nothing for the past years or, or generations, even if we're talking about Egypt, it's just so important to feel like you own something again. You could, I'm saying, they all want to leave. They all just want to scat. And there's fear and there's just generations and generations or years of, of fear and, and uh, self-doubt and all these different things that come when you're being owned by other people when, when it comes to slavery and the Holocaust. But I feel like it's, it's God telling us, like, I know human nature. You're going to want to leave. And with nothing and just go out there and be free. But once you're out there, you're going to find that you don't own anything and you're not going to feel free because what are you going to, what are you going to do? You're not going to have money. You're not going to have possessions. There's going to be nothing for you to do. You're just going to feel like a piece of garbage that is no longer being told what to do, but there's nothing for you to, to, to how to move forward. I feel like it's, it's such a, it's such a glimpse to the kindness of God going like, let me, let me show you how you work. Cause this is how it is. You're going to leave. And if you have money and possessions, you'll, you'll feel like, like someone, like something you can move forward and do things and, and own things. It's, it's like the slow process of breaking in the shoe of freedom. It's like, first you own things, then you go and do things and you make decisions. It's, it's all about the building blocks of freedom is I think starts with, Feeling like you you are capable of moving forward. It's interesting when you say that. <clears throat> um, I, well, let's go, let's go with that. Um, it's interesting. Just the first thought is that I, I knew. Um, well, I might as well say who it is. I mean, my father always says, "Always walk around with some money in your pocket. It just makes you feel mm. more rooted and more like a somebody." Um, <clears throat> you can go with that or not. But I, I think what you're saying is a little bit more than that. And, and I want to try to expand on that um, issue. There is a, there is a, a term for it in psychology and I'm not, I, the, the, the term is slipping my mind right now, but it's, it's kind of counterintuitive like, like we're saying, but when, when the, the, the relationship between the abuser and the abusee, um, very often, uh, Afterwards, there the part one one of the scars is that the person who has been abused feels that in a way they were guilty for being in that position. 
In other words, they they kind of deserved. They deserved. It was their fault. R right. There was something that they did. It was, it was something that they deserved. It's it's part of the psychosis of being abused. It's just that you think that you somehow um, deserve to be in that position. It makes sense though, because if you really believe that you didn't deserve to be in that thing, then then just the anger and the rage is is impossible to cope with. Right. It's also a good point. Right. It's a, it's the struggle for people to. It's the struggle for people to um, to want to make sense of their situation, and, and for people to make sense of the situation, since the abuser is not saying giving any reasons why they're doing it that make any sense, really. So the person themselves has to kind of become guilty mm -hmm. in some way or another. There, there's a lot said on this, but the idea of taking money is, is like you're saying, is a way to somehow normalize the relationship. In other words, I can work for you, and you can pay me. Oh, you, you might choose not to pay me, but I can choose to take the money that you deserve, that I deserve, that you owe me. <clears throat> so the, the idea of the Torah saying that the Jews are going to leave, the, 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 Jew, the Jewish people are going to leave with uh, money, it's to counterbalance um, the effects of slavery, right? It's the counter-effects. To, it's to kind of create this... Um, feeling like we're really becoming independent of them because whatever we did, even if uh, you can't say that for over hundreds of years, you know, this is enough money, but at least those people that are walking out of Egypt are walking out with something in their hand like like they're a mensch, like they're, you know, we're, we're taking something for our services and now we're leaving. It's, it, it allows for closure. If, it, if it's an open wound that people, people were abused and, and, and nothing, and that's it. And then they just run away. So there's no, there's no. It's not, it's, a, it's, it's not a transaction. It was, it was an abuse. But mm -hmm. this actually turns it into some a type of a transaction. That's, that's one idea. It's almost like the comfort, uh, the closure, or the, the healing, the healing benefits that uh, victims get from confront, confronting the abuser and seeing almost like a justice of what was done. And, and you know, there's like this. This is what it is, and this is what you've done wrong, and now pay up. Right. I don't, yeah, yeah, we have to discuss, I mean, maybe some other There's time. a lot to be said on yeah, that, but just like... I don't know if they come up and then, you know, punch them in the face is actually going to help, but because uh, <laughs> I don't think that that is a healing thing. It's not normal. It's not about... It's not normal to be aggressive, and being aggressive is just like one wrong for another wrong. No, it's not about being aggressive. Well, I'm saying being aggressive, meaning if the person would go into the this abuser and punch him in the face, I don't, you know, maybe it's for some people that would be a closure of some sort, but it's not really a closure. It's just because it doesn't... It's like too wrong. It's like you know, you abuse me, I abuse you, and, and then I'll. For sure, no, I just don't see where you got that from. No, I'm just saying. Okay. That you're leading in that direction of like, get to let's see, you know, let's close this thing and let's meet the abuser, and then what? No, it's 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 about it's about the moving forward. Meaning. <clears throat> yeah, how do you move saying, forward? You're saying in this case they got paid, so to speak, for the for the labor that they did. So even though, like you said, it definitely doesn't pay off the generations and the crime and everything, but it puts us, it leaves you with the ability to feel like, oh, he owned up to it. You know, like, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting paid. Oh, right. I, I did my service. And well, like, I don't know, abuse is a whole, whole, whole uh, situation. That it is, is interesting in the case of Egypt, when you say that, there was actually a certain amount of acquiescence. On behalf of the Egyptians, for the for the Bene, for the Israelites to take their money, I mean, it it seems to be that 
willingly or unwilling, it's not clear, but they, they watched them as they took whatever they took. Mm-hmm. There was a sense of justice going on, like, oh, okay, I guess. I just think that's that's what I was going to when I, when I was talking about the rest. Like, it's obviously a much deeper conversation, and I don't know enough to be speaking about it with authority. But I think that that's the whole point of co- the confrontation or bringing the abuser to court is this is this justice. It's the right, closing yeah. of it's not me versus it's there's an admittance that what you did was wrong, and that's when the the, the victim can go. It's not it's not because I did something wrong. It's because you did something wrong. Right. So there's a lot of justice talking. There's a lot of justice talk in the Egyptian story also, where, you know, God's going to do justice. And there's going to be a feeling of justice against the the perpetrators and against... So there's that also. There's a lot of different ways of trying to close it. But what I'd like to focus on for a minute is why... What's the deal with the... In the narrative, there's all these stories of, of like, commands. You know, it's just, like, to tell the story and then to say the commands. I mean, what... What, what are all the commands in the middle of the story? And not only that, but in the actual story, there's plenty of commandments. You know, the, Meaning when God says, tell the children of Israel to not leave their houses and to the doorposts right. and the lamb and the... Right, they're doing all thing. these commandments you know, that they need to carry out at the time of the Exodus. So there's a, there's a very basic idea in Judaism, which is that freedom involves risk and responsibility. And it's not R and R, which is rest and relaxation. It's not. Um, it's it's risk and responsibility, which basically means that freedom comes um, not by itself. You have to choose it. And the um, unfortunately, what we see today is like people want freedom. And their cake too, you know. However, that saying goes, you know, <laughs> they want freedom and to, and eat it or something like that. You know, they want the cake and they and and to eat it too. You know, it's like they people people talk about freedom as you know as rights. They want rights, um, but but they're not really choosing. The, 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 what what I think what people want most of the time is security. That's not freedom. Whereas very often you can watch civilizations go in the in the opposite direction of freedom because everybody's looking for security. In pre-war Germany, people wanted security, and when you're looking for security, you're you you're looking to be safe. You're not looking. You're looking to be protected. Um, the Germans were psyched into feeling that the whole world had like raped Germany after World War One. And had taken this land, and there was a tremendous de- um, uh, 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 depression in Germany after after the war. People were very poor. All of a sudden, it was like a very uh, progressive nation, and all of a sudden, it became like they they felt like they were wronged. And I'm sure a lot of people suffered. And as a result, there was a lot of fear. And because of that fear, what people want to start feeling is like they want to feel secure again. When you're dealing with a population that wants to feel secure, all you need is one guy to say that I'm going to keep you safe. And I'm going to play on your fears. And we're going to take away the freedoms of other people who are taking away your freedom. Right. So so just don't worry because you're going to be safe and secure here. Right. And, and people, when they get into that mode, they're willing to fight. They're willing to fight to protect what they consider to be their own security, you know, like something much more basic, like 
If you're coming to um, invade my home, don't talk to me about your freedoms. Who asked you to come into my home? You're invading me. I am the victim. So if I'm the victim, I need security, and I don't give a flying flip about your freedoms. Right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it's it's the opposite of of the sense of freedom. Freedom is risk and responsibility. That means that people are willing to take responsibility for their beliefs. And even if it involves some some amount of risk, which is the opposite of security, right? And those freedoms are are uh, are conscious, are consciously opted for. They're not they're not just something that you just have. It's something that you have to strive for. And in, in, in Judaism as well, we have the concept of you know the basic concepts of freedom that's that the whole world shares. But then there's um, there's internal freedom, there's emotional freedom, there's personal freedom, and there's levels of freedom because a person that chooses more and more um, virtuous responsibility becomes more and more free, according to this idea. Can you go? Can you explain that more? Because I think that's an important idea. That's Sounds very big. Just break it down. Right. Virtuous responsibility. Right. So, <clears throat> why? I mean, this is going to. Let's see how, how we can do this in about 10 minutes. Why is freedom a value? Like, what, why, why are we talking about freedom as if it's like it's, it's like an essential part of. Of, uh, of man's well-being. Like, what do we? What do we? What do we? What's the opposite of freedom? Like, what, what are we talking about that's so important? Are we talking about just freedom as opposed to being persecuted? Is people taking away your freedoms? So it means instead of going out in the morning and getting a, 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 a carton of milk because you want to do that, some out, you know, some external power, like the government, is going to tell you, no, you can't go get milk, even though the milk is there and it's, it's available for everybody, but you can't do it because you're... Uh, some race that can't buy milk. We don't want you to buy milk, which is totally arbitrary. And some of this taking away your freedom and, and just like those freedoms take away all kinds of other things. Okay. So, so, so why is that so, um, you, you know, unacceptable? Like what, 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 what's wrong with that? Why can the person be happy without that freedom? person can live without that freedom, right? So it's okay. So I can't get a uh, milk, right? What difference does it make? Is it is it the milk, or is it what it means? Freedom, freedom is the conduit to choice, or as you said before, freedom comes with choice. I think the what makes it so important is that as as human beings, what makes life meaningful is making meaningful decisions. So make meaningful decisions, but you but you can't go buy certain things because somebody said that you can't buy certain things. You, because of who you are, are limited because of some power said you can't go to malls and you can't buy stuff. The rest of the population can, but you can't. So what? It, what is, is it the thing itself that you're limited from that makes you less free? Or is it what that situation means? Obviously not about the milk. Clearly, you can live without milk, right? Or whatever else you're being limited from. And you could even be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so what is what is it that that makes a person say, "I'm going to fight for my freedom," because 
this is not about milk, it's about freedom. So what about, what is it that that person is saying, there's some value here that's missing and I'm willing to fight for it. You know what it is? I'm, th I'm thinking there's just like so much stuff and I'm trying to make the picture more than just milk in this case. They feel like there's just so much floating around. You know, what it, you know what it is, though? But it's just, it's yeah. because it's wrong. Because it's wrong. And what sets you free is to fight for what is right. It's wrong to take people's freedom away. It's, it's, it's not that you can't deal without milk. It's just, why are people limiting a certain sector of the population from getting the joys of life that they could possibly get? Why would a, a, a group of people decide to limit other people for no reason? But that makes freedom very subjective. Because then, like, again, then would you say that Nazi Germany was the epitome of freedom during its time? Because they were obviously all fighting for what they believed to be right. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. That they, That's what I'm trying to get to over here. The idea of freedom is very much tied into um, truth, right and wrong. So meaning... The truth will set you free. You ever hear that? Mm -hmm. The truth will set you free is because now you're um, now you are consciously, if you if you have, if you can see the truth, now you can consciously make decisions to protect the truth and cling to the truth, and fight for the truth, and that is ultimately the assuming of the responsibility to do what is right. You assume responsibility to do what is right, then that is the path of freedom. You're exercising your absolute nature of human beings of protecting what is good for all human beings. Mm -hmm. It's very different than the concept of freedom that people think that freedom is. But if you really break it down, it, what what else is it? Like, what what else is freedom? <laughs> like, I think, okay, we're all free to do whatever we want. So we're all free. With that version of freedom, though, then there's still going to be not freedom. I don't know how to say the opposite of freedom, but if everyone is obviously free to do as they will, then they're going to be the people who take advantage of other people who are going to claim their rights. So there obviously has to be some sort of um, misgeret. Right, um, a context. <clears throat> if I don't, if I don't know, if I have no notion of, of these things, of right and wrong, right? I'm, I'm talking about an objective right and wrong, you know. If I have no notion of it, right, so then what, what uh, I, I'll end up wanting to fight about things that are actually wrong. I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but to protect those things that are wrong, in other words, what is wrong and what is, let's say, evil, ultimately, is, is those things that are just ultimately not healthy for human beings. If I don't want to protect those things, so I'm actually limiting the amount of freedom of human beings. Because I'm all about, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to fight so that, 
you know, there should, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight so that um, there should be, you know, no uh, limits on um, on polit- politicians, you know, staying in office, right? I think politicians should be able to stay in office for life, right? This is a stupid example, but the point is, is that you can make a decision that's right or wrong. Or let's say power corrupts. Power corrupts is... Absolutely. Power is, corrupts, absolutely. Yeah, power, power <laughs> corrupts is, is a fact of life. And you know that people that are going to remain in power, just like it happened in... In, 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 in Rome, in Rome um, is that people will become corrupt. I mean, people are corrupt as it is in politics. So certainly if you just say that, so you can say as a derivative of that idea, it's not a good idea for people to be serving whatever it is forever. If they're supposed to be public servants, you can't serve forever. Now, if a person is opposite of that idea, let's say he, let's say he doesn't believe that power corrupts. Okay, so yeah, it's true. Like you're saying, like, well, everybody will be fighting about the thing, but you have to be blessed with either a tradition or the ability um, to see what is correct. The correctness of something will present itself as being true to you. It will be evident. Truth is what is evident. Truth is what is real. A person says power doesn't corrupt. The entire history of human beings says that power does corrupt, right? amongst other things. So, if a person wants to argue, you know, he's going to fight that the, the politicians. So, yeah, so people are going to be, yeah, we need, and he'll give all kinds of arguments, right? So he's he's really fighting for something that's anti-freedom, because when power corrupts, that will eventually become something that is bad for humans, bad for people that doing it and bad for people that are suffering from people that are corrupt. So then you're defining freedom as the choice to protect truth. Or is it just the or is it just protecting truth? Well, it's kind of semantic. I mean, the point is we are, you know, we are free to do anything. We're free to choose evil. We're free to choose good. But if a person chooses evil, he's becoming less free. Because? Because evil, by, by definition, is limiting. Hmm, kind of touching on what we said about blessing. How okay. blessing, blessing opens infinite possibilities and potential, whereas... Right, well, the Torah equates those things. I mean, blessing is just a different stage of the good. I'm saying that by definition, blessing is expansive, while curse right, right. and evil is limiting. Right. That's what it says. Evil is is uh, curse, and good is blessing. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about freedom, you're not you're not you're trying to not focus on the here and now, like right now. You're talking about it's like a bigger picture. Could could be real freedom will only happen sometime in the future fighting for it and inculcating these ideas and ideals in themselves, their families, their communities, then there's real freedom. So so getting back to the text, that's why Moses is taking out the people of Israel. It's very much part of the story to talk about their responsibilities and the idea of trying to bring the truth of the existence of one God in the world 
in counter to the paganism that exists in that time, in counter to the beliefs of Egypt. So, is it risky to take all that responsibility? Um, in the sense that you know, in some way, you know, risk, risk, because risk means you're just not you're not willing to just stay in one position and not take a risk. <laughs> risk is a funny word, you know. It's not. It's like if you sit in that and take no risks, it's also like also risky. Risk. <laughs> I'm saying it just seems to be less risky, but it's like you know, do you stay in the raft? When that's at least you know when you're maybe you get saved by the helicopter or you try to swim out to the island that you see you know maybe get eaten by a shark but the point is it's a toss you know what what people with the risk that you should take in order to get ahead is uh, it's not always clear but when it comes to taking risks in order to fight for what is right then that's always a risk worth taking because. That's freedom. Because you, you don't want to live a life that's not free. Or you're not moving in the direction of freedom. I know I know we're not getting to the to get that There's point still where you're so much to talk about. Yeah, you're not getting to a point where you're like, oh aha, that's like the whole thing, right? Yeah, we're not getting there yet, but all right, so we're going to continue this conversation. There's just so many questions. Um, if you have questions about this, definitely send us an email to fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, your questions, um, anything that stood out. Um, and we'll see you next week or talk to you next week. And uh, we're going to keep talking about freedom because this is lit. So bye, everyone.